We have been reading together the gospel according to St. Matthew. Many of us are reading every day. I hope you are one of those who are reading every day. We are now today starting the second week of Lent, and so uh, we are, are moving on through the book of Matthew. We've been also reading it together on Sunday mornings. We saw a number of weeks ago now that Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So as we've talked about being a light, we've talked about, about sharing our faith, letting other people know that Jesus is the Savior of the world, that in Him all old things become new. He creates us new and gives us new life, forgiveness, makes us children of God. So we've talked about that. And last week we looked in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And we talked about serving. So, did you serve people in Jesus' name this week? As you were leaving, most of us at that time we, we said, yes, yes, I'm going to put this, this scripture we read together, I'm going to put it into practice. So I just want to know, did you? I hope that you did. Because he's describing for us what he wants for us as children of God. Now in this passage from Matthew chapter 5, he says, in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus' followers do good deeds. Did you know that? Now, some people say, oh, we, we're not going to talk about works. We, we're not going to talk about doing good things because we are saved by grace and mercy of God, not by making ourselves good enough and stacking up enough good deeds to be acceptable to God. And you are absolutely correct. That is how salvation comes to us not by us fixing ourselves or, or doing enough good stuff. It's the mercy and love of God. But because the love of Jesus Christ fills the hearts of all who trust in Him, of all who become His followers, they do what is good because the love, the love of Jesus motivates us to do what is good. And he says, when people see you pouring out the love of Jesus, they're going to give glory to your Father in heaven. Well, today we're going to continue to read Matthew's gospel, and we're going to see more of what Jesus had to say about serving. So turn with me in your Bibles to the gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 25. The gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 25. I hope you brought a Bible with you so you can follow along. Now, I'm going to be reading from the New International Version, the old New International Version. A few years ago, 
they made a revised version, and that's what's going to be up on the screen, is the revised version. And you will see there's a few differences. When people get together to translate anything, not just the Bible, any kind of a document, it's not just a matter of saying, well, this word means this in English, so we stick that word in there. Instead, they read what it says, and then they have to choose together what are the words that will communicate best what this says in the other language. So, the New Testament was written in Greek. And so, the, the translators say, how do we get this so that 21st century Americans will understand what it says? In the original language, in this story we're going to read that Jesus told, it talks about talents. What do you think of when you hear the word talent? You probably think about abilities, skills that a person has. That's their talents. Well, that's what it means in English today, but talent is not really even an English word. It entered into the English language through this parable we're about to read. As people heard the parable in church, they took the word talent, and it entered the English language, and it began to mean abilities and skills, though that's not what it means in the parable at all. So, in the newest NIV translation, they didn't translate it for what it technically means. They translated it bags of gold. Originally, the word talanti, which is the word in Greek, you can hear how it sounds almost like the English word talanti, in, the, the original, in, in their language, it was a very precise weight of measure, measure of weight, whatever you call it. So it was a very precise thing. So when Jesus told this story and talked about talents, the people knew exactly what he meant. Well, I'm going to read from the older translation where they didn't translate the word talent, they just left the word talent there. You'll see bags of gold up on the screen. Some people said, why do we read the NIV in our services at Calvary Community? I'll tell you, because when I moved here, everybody owned an NIV Bible. <laughs> Real theological reason. All of these different translations are good and help us to understand what the Word said. You just need to understand that they all have to figure out, how do I take what this means and put it into English? That's why they don't all have the same identical words. It's not because they're wrong, it's because they're trying to take this and make sure we understand it. So, let us hear the words of Jesus Christ from the Gospel according to St. Matthew. Again, it. Now, if we had been reading from the beginning of the chapter, we'd know what it was. It is the kingdom of heaven, what we've, Jesus has been talking about and we've been reading about all the way through the book. Again, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also, the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid 
his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not gathered, scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would receive it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So something that's very noticeable in this parable right away is that it includes a day of accounting. That doesn't sound like much fun, does it? It just depends. The day of accounting was a lot of fun for the guy with five talents. The day of accounting was a day of joy for the guy with the two talents. It was only a bad day for the guy with only one talent. The disciples or, or the servants knew they were going to have to give an accounting for the money that they had been given. Why does Jesus' stories over and over many times include this time of accounting? Well, it's tied. It is tied back to Jesus' message, the message that he began to preach following his baptism and his temptation. Back in chapter 4, we read it. It was a number of weeks ago, so you may have forgotten what Jesus' sermon was. It was this, repent, 
for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent. Live differently. Repent means turn. You're going one way with your life. Turn. Go a different direction. Follow me, Jesus is saying. So when there is a day of accounting, what is the accounting going to be all about? It's all about whether we have turned or not. You see, some people get the idea, oh, this Christian thing is just about trying to get some, some, some special assurance, some insurance for when we die that life will be good. That's not what Jesus is all talking about. He says it's about being different now, about the reign of God, the rule of God taking place in your life right now. And so he says, turn, repent. Don't just say, oh, well, I, I want to go to heaven when I die. He says, live differently now. Remember last week? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Instead of living according to your old self-interest motivations, follow me. Love. So repentance means turning from self-interested motivations to being filled with the love and mercy of God and spreading it everywhere we go. So the day of accounting is going to come when the question is going to be asked, did you truly repent? Did you turn? So talent. We've already talked about it a little bit. It is a definite weight of measure. When Jesus used the word talent, they, they knew what he was talking about. How much is a talent? This, folks is a talent of flour. It's about 70 pounds. So the master in this story gave each of these a certain number of talents of money. It doesn't say whether it was silver or whether it was gold. We can assume that it was gold just for the sake of talking about it. It really doesn't matter. But he gave them talents of money. He was not just saying, here's five bucks, see what you can do with it, folks. So, for a talent of gold weighed about 70 pounds. Seventy pounds of gold. And one guy got five talents. Think about that. 350 pounds of gold. I used to, when I was a kid, they'd read this story, and I'd think, oh, that poor guy that only got one. Now that I understand how much it is, you can give me a talent of gold anytime you want. I'll be happy with just one, you know? You don't have to go two or five or one. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So 70 pounds of gold. Do you know how much a talent was worth this weekend? You know, it changes every minute. So I can only give you an approximation. I didn't just check. We, somebody can pull out their phone, but it's not necessary. I'll be close. A talent, one talent of gold this weekend 
has a value of $1,346,000 approximately. It's actually a little bit more than that, but I don't know how many dollars and cents. But it gets down to the cents, you know, because when we're measuring gold, we don't get off by an ounce accidentally. And they didn't back then either. When it was a talent, it was a talent. It wasn't a talent in two ounces. It was valuable back then too. So just think about the amount of money he's giving to these guys. So, the first two servants, they invest the, the money that's been given to them. I don't know what they do. Maybe they go buy Starbucks uh, franchises. I don't know how they invested the money. They go and they invest the money, and they double it. So when the day of accounting comes, they bring the whole amount to the master and say, here's what I was able to accomplish with your money. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the happiness or the joy of your master. It was a good day. But there is that third one, the guy who received only $1,346,000. And he said, I was afraid. I know you're demanding. I knew there'd be a day of accounting. What if I invested it and the investment fell flat? Then I wouldn't, I'd have to come and say, I lost your money. Well, I was afraid to do that. So I just took it out in the backyard, dug a hole, and buried it. And now you're back. I went out there this morning, dug it up, and here it is back. Here's your money. I kept it safe. Didn't do a thing with what you gave to me. And this is what it says. The Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Not very much these days, but even half a percent of a million three hundred and forty-six thousand dollars that's a bit. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what is the point? What did Jesus intend for his disciples to get out of this story? God gives gifts to all of his servants. There are rewards for those who use the gifts for God's benefit. But there is rejection and judgment of those who do not. So God gives resources, talents, to all of us. And Jesus said, let your light shine before people so they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father 
who is in heaven. The New Testament in multiple places says that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, gives spiritual gifts to all who are followers of Jesus Christ. Abilities empowered by the Spirit of God. All of Jesus' followers have received gifts. Are you a follower of Jesus? If the answer is yes, yes, I have, fo- I have begun to follow him. I repented and I'm following him. Then I want you to know that he has given to you gifts. You know how I know? Because the Bible says so. Jesus' followers said, this is what he does. You can read about this in Romans chapter 12 or 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There are other places you can read it too, but those are two of the longest discussions about spiritual gifts in the Scriptures. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, a part of what he said. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God has given abilities to you, and Jesus said you would receive power when the Spirit enters your life, so He empowers us to Let our light shine before men so that they will see our good works that are empowered by the Spirit and give glory to our Father in heaven. So it's said in that passage that he doesn't give the same gifts to everybody. We don't have the same skills. You know people well enough to know that that is true. And probably most of us, if we were to take a minute and just sit here and think, now what What are the skills that God has given to me? What are the resources He's given to me? We could come up with some. But if you say, I have absolutely no idea what kind of gifts or talents the Spirit has given to you, then here's a place you can go that maybe will help you to understand what they are. It's right up here. If you go there, that's a part of our church website, and it'll forward you on to another website, so don't panic when you get this warning thing coming up on your computer. And if you go there, there is a spiritual gifts assessment that you can take. It doesn't take very long. Here's what it's like. It has a sentence, and you mark, that is true of me. That is not true of me. Well, part of the time, that is true of me. And after you've gone through this, it'll take maybe 15 minutes, After you've gone through this, it's going to take all of your answers, and you know what it's going to say? It's going to say, here are your spiritual gifts, the abilities God has given you. 
And you know what I have to say about that? Well, maybe that's true and maybe it's not. It's an assessment. You do understand the Apostle Paul never did take a spiritual gifts assessment. They've only been doing spiritual gifts assessments for about 40 years. When, when a couple comes to me and tells me they want to get married and we start doing premarital counseling, I have them do a premarital assessment. There are too many important things that need to be discussed for us to take a whole lot of time trying to dig in and figure out what's going on in this couple's lives and what they think about things. So I have them take an assessment, which takes a lot longer than this one. It's a, it, takes, it takes over an hour, sometimes more than that, to complete this assessment that I have them do. And it, the, the results for it come back pages and pages and pages. So we talk about the results together as we meet for multiple times. And you know what I have found out? Even though brilliant people put this assessment together, we'll be going through it, and the, the guy will say, well, that's not true about me. And so I'll ask his fiance, is he right? Is this a mistake on here? And she'll say, yeah, that's not the way he is at all. They're assessments. They give direction. They are, none of them can actually perfectly say, here it is, folks, no questions. It's, this is it. It's to help us begin to explore and find out something. And this assessment is to help us begin to explore and understand how God has particularly empowered and equipped and gifted you to spread his love around through the world. So if you choose to do that assessment, maybe at the end you'll say, well, now, now I have some ideas so I could see how I can serve in those kinds of areas. But you see, even then, it will only say something like, mm, you probably have a gift of administration. It doesn't say how or where you're supposed to use that. Maybe, maybe a gift of administration, maybe you should be on the church board. But maybe you shouldn't be on the church board. Maybe you should serve in children's ministry, helping to organize and have everything ready for the teachers who come to teach the children. Or maybe it means you're going to help in Venture Compassionate Ministries in some way. There's all kinds of places to, to share the love of Jesus and to use whatever ability God has given to you, whatever abilities He's given to you, the ways He's resourced you. So what do we do? We pray and ask Him to direct us. Remember, we've been praying especially since we read the parable of the sower where Jesus said, people have ears to hear but do not hear and eyes to see but do not see. We've been praying, Lord, help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear your spirit speaking to us. So God, this world's full of people who have needs. There's problems in our world. So help me to have eyes to see and ears to hear as you direct me 
how I am to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow Jesus. Help me to see how you want me to let my light shine before people so they will see the good things that I do and give glory to you, my Father in heaven. Help me to see. Help me to see. This week, I was taking care of business. I had a list. I had things to do. I didn't have a lot of time to waste. So I was in a business, and I was talking to this person who was going to take care of my issues, and I was going to get out of there. So I'm just, you know, here it is, boom, 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 and the Spirit of God said, this is a human being you're talking to, not a machine. That, oh, yes, this is a person that was so important to Jesus that he died on the cross for this person. I should, I should go about, I should relax. I should go about this a whole lot different. There are more things that are important than just my business. So the conversation changed. We all have, we all have opportunity. We all will encounter many people this week that we can pour Jesus' love out on. but we have to have ears to hear and eyes to see what's really going on all around us. And we get in a big hurry, and instead of denying ourselves, we think about our list. And the Spirit of God keeps telling us, some of the stuff on your list is important. He probably won't say all of it is. Sorry. He just probably won't. Some of the stuff on your list is important, but the people are more important. So have eyes to see, ears to hear the Spirit of God because He's putting, He's taking you places on purpose every day because there's somebody He wants you to have an interaction with and pour God's love out upon. That's a part of being a follower of Jesus, letting our light shine. But we've got to have eyes to see, ears to hear, or we're going we're gonna to just be taken off cause down our, our busy lives we got, because we have a tendency to think there's more things that are important than what are really important, and so we put them too full and don't have time to pay attention to people. People are just problems that slow the process down. At least that's the way we think about them. So, pray for direction. This story has some questions for us. Am I willing to use the resources that are given to me by God? As the first two servants used the resources. Or am I just focused on either using them for myself or hiding them, unwilling to do anything? Some of us say, well, I'm afraid. That's moving me out of my, 
excuse me, moving me out of my comfort zone. Yes, remember last week, denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus is inconvenient. Moves us all out of our comfort zones. You may look at some person <clears throat> that's been following Jesus for a while, and you say, well, I wish I was like them. They're just able to follow him so well. And you think they never get out of their comfort zone. That is not the truth. They get out of their comfort zone all the time. They've just learned to trust Jesus and let his love flow out of them. So they say, okay, Jesus, I have ears to hear and eyes to see, so I'm getting out of my comfort zone, and it is your problem to take care of me while I'm out of my comfort zone. It is his problem. He's the one who says to do it. It's his problem, not yours. Quit worrying about it. Don't be afraid. That was the problem of the last servant. He was afraid and he wouldn't do it. So let your light shine before men and they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. <clears throat> so this week on Wednesday night, I didn't have anything to do. I always have something to do on Wednesday night. Either it's a board meeting or I have a Bible study. But we had, it was supposed to be board meeting, but we had board meeting last Saturday. So I didn't have anything scheduled here at Calvary Community, we have a group of people who go up the street to, to Stonewood Apartment Complex once a month on a Wednesday night to do things with families, primarily with children, but their parents come, to do things with families to help them experience the love of Jesus. And so, this Wednesday night, I, since I had nothing to do, I never get to go there because I'm always scheduled, I said, I'm going to go to Venture. I met some wonderful kids all of whom are refugees. You know what a refugee is? That's someone who flees from their home to save their life. So they were refugees. Uh, one, one family, there were two brothers. They're from Eritrea. You know where Eritrea is? Some of you do, and most of you don't. So you can Google it, but not now. Eritrea. Eritrea has had a pretty rough history in, in recent decades. So uh, the, these kids, mom came in to talk to them. So I asked her, I needed to tell her something, I asked her if she spoke English. She said, very little. Left everything. These people didn't come here because America is such a wonderful place. They left their homes. They were fleeing. They came here because this was a place that was safe. And their families would be safe. There was another family of twins. There were some twins from Iraq. Now, in the first service, there were some people who didn't know where Iraq was. But when it was pronounced Iraq, they knew where it was. So, okay. And I got... Emily, Emily McCullough, our children's director, told all the kids a Bible story. Then we had some different kinds of activities. We built boats, and uh, it was about Noah's Ark. So we all built boats and see whose boat would float the longest, and, and there were some crafts and stuff to, to, about the love of God. And we just had a wonderful time together pouring love out on these families that left everything and are not comfortable here because they don't speak English yet, 
It's so different from where they came from, and we were able to pour the love of Jesus out, and we had a good time. And you know what? They did too. Took an hour. That's how long we were there. An hour. I could have gone home and done other stuff. I didn't need to go to Stonewood. But it sure was fun because we were letting our light shine before people so they could see the good things we were doing in Jesus' name and give glory to our Father in heaven. There's opportunities for you. There are. I don't know what they are. It's not my job to tell you what God wants you to do. It's our job to say, okay, I will deny myself, take up my cross, and follow you. Now give me ears to hear and eyes to see so that I don't miss all that you're placing in front of me that you want to do. So, will you let your light shine before people so they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, you know how narrow our vision often is. We need help. You have rescued us from our sin. We've experienced your love and mercy, and we say thank you, almighty God. We are so unworthy we bow before you when we pray because we know we're unworthy. But you welcome us into your family and forgive all of our sin. So we thank you. Now we say, would you fix our vision? Would you correct our hearing? So we will see things the way you see things. Help us to quit focusing so heavily on our thing to do, our list, and allow you to interrupt our pursuit of the list and show us ways to spread your love in this broken world. We give ourselves to you. We really do. We are your servants. And we want to be faithful servants. So help us, O oh Lord. We ask in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.